Hi, this is Sam Chamberlain, and welcome to Things to Ponder, the sermon podcast from St. Mary's United Church of Christ in Silver Run, Maryland. Follow along with St. Mary's at stmarysucc.org or on Facebook and Instagram. Wishing you peace and good, my friends. So I got to share a little story with you that, um, that I was thinking as I walked into the church office on Monday morning, I was still sort of celebrating and basking in the glow of a wonderful baptism last week as we baptized Everett and uh, enjoyed sharing with you all just sort of the stories, how much you enjoyed this young man and how much pleasure he seemed to take, not only in being the center of attention, but how much he enjoyed being baptized. It was a really special week. And I invite you, congregation, to please keep him in your prayers as well as Allie and Kelly as they lean into what it means to have a baptized child. And, and that might sound weird to you, but if baptism means anything, it means something. Something is different, right? And I remember when I got ordained, it was like, yeah, okay, you've been through this big, long process. But when I got ordained, there was something, I felt something different on the other side. To this day, I can't explain to you what it is. But if ordination means anything, it meant that something was different. Same with baptism. So Allie and Kelly are learning to live with a brand new child of God in Everett. Please keep them in your prayers. But as I sat down on Monday to do sort of our e-newsletter, and by the way, if you're not on the e-newsletter, please make sure you get signed up for that. What I do is I come in, and I'm usually reflecting on what happened the Sunday before and just have some commentary about that. And I sat down and I, I started writing out this whole thing that I was going to do for the newsletter. And as soon as I got done, I was like, all right, it's about lunchtime. I'll come back and record it. And as I'm sitting there with lunch, I eat lunch, and I'm like, you know, and I'm always, I'm always nitpicky with these things. This is why my sermon's never done until about 10 minutes before on Sunday morning. I'm just a nitpicker by nature. And I come back in on, on, on Monday afternoon to record the thing, and I hear something in my soul say to me, yeah, you did a really good job on that. That's for Sunday. It was as if the Spirit said to me, like, no, you've written this, just hold off on that for this coming Sunday. Which I was like, okay, God, I'm really excited to do that, but I did kind of look heavenward going, really? Now i got to start all over again with what I'm going to do for the newsletter. So I did, but I felt something very much in my soul that I needed to hold this for today. So I don't know who this is for, but it's for somebody who's here. That's my, that's my guess today. So what did we do last week? We're going to talk about baptism a little bit longer today. What did we do last week? Well, baptism, of course, is a sacrament. And what is a sacrament? A sacrament is a visible presentation of an invisible reality. It, and what we say about sacraments, what our confession of faith is, is that sacraments make present the reality they proclaim. Let me say this again. Sacraments make present the reality that we proclaim. This is a little easier to see if we talk about communion. So when we take communion and we say, and we use Jesus' words and we say, this is my body, this is my blood, what we're saying is that even though we don't taste it, in some mystical way, Jesus' body and blood is made present to us in the moment. They are not just a reminder or a thought. It makes present the reality we proclaim. So when we receive communion, when we receive baptism, we are brought again to the cross of Christ, which makes them core to our life here. They make present Jesus and his crucifixion, and this is wonderful and beautiful. It is central to what we do. And in baptism, it makes present the cross of Christ and unites us to that cross. 
And we talked, and, <clears throat> and so when we are united to cross Christ in baptism, what we're saying then is that whatever happened to Christ, whatever the life of Christ was, that is now our destiny, that is what we are called to. And the scriptures are full of instructions about living fully into the life of Christ that is now in us. Indeed, it was the Apostle Paul who said, no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives in me. And Paul's entire message was about how do I, and how do I get the congregations that I work with, again, speaking from the message of Paul, Paul's like, how do I get believers in Christ to live the life of Christ that is very much present to them? And that life begins with what we heard at baptism. You are my beloved child. With you, I am well pleased. When we are linked to Jesus, that is true for us as well. And we proclaimed this last week. And at our core then, what we're saying is that we are loved and empowered for new life with the very life of Jesus. That is what happened to Everett last week. And from the moment we are baptized on, we are to live fully into that new reality, which is not of this world. It is not shaped by getting by or competition or us versus them or all the other things that define our world. No, what baptism does is says we are to live a life shaped by love and acceptance and newness and freedom and no small amount of joy. So my question for you then and it's this, I have this question for you every time we baptize somebody is, what about your baptism? What do you remember about it, if you have any memory at all? And what role does your baptism play in your life today? Sometimes when I ask this question, I get a lot of, oh, I, I don't know. Or, gee, I don't, I don't really remember anything. Or my best, the best way that I connect to it is, my mom has some certificate in some file folder somewhere. It can, it's possible that over time, the baptism can start to feel like a really long time ago. In some ways, it was. It becomes an old memory if it's even a memory. And unlike communion, it's not something that we come back to. It's not like we're constantly, you know, oh, hey, you know what, we need to reconnect with Jesus. Let's baptize you again. No, 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 we don't do that. One and done, as far as I'm concerned. So we don't come back to it. And so it's easy for baptism to just kind of fade from memory. And like so many things, if it's out of sight, well, then it's often out of mind. But given what we've said about baptism, we can see, and perhaps you'll agree with me, that that's a huge problem, right? We said, you are my beloved child with you, I'm well pleased. And when that goes out of sight, out of mind, that's not good. That's not great. We let God's perpetual love out of our sight. We let God's joy at our existence out of our minds. No, this is, this, is, this is not wonderful. Our life, which is a new creation, we forget about our baptism and so it fades to the back burner of our everyday realities. No, what does that do to our souls? If baptism reveals the truest thing about us, then we cannot let it let it fade from relevance or worse become some kind of religious checkbox or like spiritual paperwork that we got to take care of to do so is catastrophic to our faith because it also because it also makes God's remarkable love that we've heard you are my beloved child with you I am well pleased when it's just a checkbox it makes God's love into something that is dull lifeless and distant 
and the powers of this world will take full advantage of us when we let our fundamental identity drift off like a memory. Politics will take care of it. When we no longer have our identity in Christ, there are those who will step in and say, let me give you an identity. And little surprise then that we have left versus right, this versus that. We do this all the time because we forgot our original identity. Consumerism will take over when if we forget our identity, there are plenty of people who remind us that we're just here to consume stuff. Go buy stuff and find your happiness. When all the time, all the way back at baptism, God was telling us that your fundamental joy is found in God alone. The Bible speaks often, friends, about the dangers of forgetting. Let me say it. The Bible speaks often about the dangers of forgetting. Throughout the scriptures, particularly the Old Testament, the Old Testament is wonderful about this, we read story after story where God, God is the one who remembers and it is the people who forget. Think about, for instance, in Exodus. In early Exodus, and God is speaking to Moses, it says, God heard the groaning of the people of Israel in Egypt. God heard their groaning, and here's what the Bible says. It says, he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God heard the cries and remembered. And God is always in the business of remembering us. But we know how this story goes, right? As soon as the people are freed from slavery and hit the wilderness, the Bible also tells us in Deuteronomy, and Moses is speaking to the people, Moses says, you forgot the God who gave you birth. ruh In salvation history, forgetting God's goodness and presence and claim on our lives is prelude to erosion in our spirits. Forgetting God's goodness and God's love is prelude to an erosion of our very spirits. And so it is my prayer that we would not forget in our personal lives and in our shared lives the power of God that is shown forth in moments just like last week. My prayer is that you would not forget your own baptism, but rather that it would play a critical role in how you think about your life and how it plays out so that you might know what God believes about you and where, and where God is leading you. The prelude to faithfulness, to witness, and to growth is remembering. Today in our readings, we have two examples. I want to go over them real quick, and then I threw in a third just very, very quickly. The first example we have, which Mr. Allen read this morning, comes to us from 1 Chronicles. And I can count on one hand the number of times I've used 1 Chronicles in a, in a liturgical reading. It, there's, it's just, there's a lot going on and, and whatever. But this one is a great one. Because the story, that, the story that we stepped into the middle of is David finally bringing the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. Imagine that party. It's not just like, hey, we got this cool religious relic, let's put it in the middle of the city. Remember, the Ark of the Covenant went before the people in the wilderness for 40 years. And finally, it is home. Finally, they know that God has kept their promise and now they have a place. And so this is this wild, like, I wasn't here for your 250th, but your 250th was not as cool as bringing the Ark of the Covenant into into Jerusalem. It is the party of all parties. And David breaks out into song. And that's what, we're, that's what Mr. Allen read today. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, 
And then David gives this instruction. Remember, David, the man after God's own heart, says, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. And then he goes on to say, why should we remember? Well, because God remembers his covenant forever, the promise he made for a thousand generations. This song at this moment is a clarion call to the people. You must remember what God has done. And if that is the big celebration, which we long for in church, and we love when we get big celebrations like that in our lives and in the life of a a congregation, there's another instance of remembering that is much smaller, much much, much more difficult, much heavier, and that is what we read in our psalm. If the first one is a loud public proclamation of God's goodness, the second is a private personal wrestling with one's inner turmoil. And that's our psalm for today. I invite you to read it again. The person's soul is downcast and struggling. We hear that. Why are you cast down my soul? That's kind of the rhythm of the psalm. But the psalmist who writes this is wise enough to begin not with an emotion but with a truth. He says, my soul is longing after you, O God. I don't know if the psalmist actually felt that, but the psalmist knew that was true. All of our souls are longing after God. And this psalm is a, is a reckoning, it's a groping through the dark to come back to this most basic truth of God's love. And in and amongst all the weeds, the enemies that are surrounding this person, the burdens they're carrying, all of the horrible things they're going through, there is this line stuck in the middle of it. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And what is described is a joyful celebration in the house of God. How I would lead the people into the house of God with joy and with celebration. These things I remember in the midst of my struggles. And in this psalm, that is the deep heartbeat in the midst of chaos and confusion that is a north star for the psalmist to keep hope alive. Hope in God, I will praise him still, my Savior and my God, said through gritted and yet faithful teeth. I will remember. And that is, that is why then I changed the gospel reading because I was like, ah, that, the one I picked out, no, nah, that, was, that was a slightly different thing that I heard on Monday. I wanted to do something different today. And all I want you to notice about that reading, and it should have been a very obvious reading, it is the resurrection of Jesus. And the angels who are there at the tomb say, don't you remember what he told you? And at the end of our reading, what does it say? What does it say? Then they remembered his words. And once they remembered his words, the church was unleashed on the world to the point where here we are today, thousands of years later, because we still remember the words of Jesus Christ. So I don't know where you're coming from today. I don't know what you've got going on. I don't know your relationship to your baptism. I don't know what your spirit is today. Maybe it came looking for an Ark of the Covenant celebration. Maybe you came with Psalm 42, why are you cast down my soul? I don't know where you're at. But I do know that the call for us is to remember God's great works in our lives. You, through our baptism, been crucified with Christ. You have been raised to new life. You are a new creation at this very moment. You are called to a life of deep faith and purpose. How do I know that? Because it happens in our baptism. And so we must remember well. Well, Why? Because if we are linked to the cross of Christ like we profess in these waters, 
Well, that's where transformation happens. Transformation in our lives happens as we remember. When we remember we are loved, we are more disposed to love. When we remember we are accepted, we are more prone to accept. When we remember we are forgiven, we are more prone to forgive. When we remember we are made new, we, are, we pray and desire to see newness in others. We can only see transformation and change in the world when we permit it and see it inside of ourselves. As we open up to the truth that God is at work in our lives through these things that we call the sacraments, through these messages that we proclaim, these things that we hold so dear in our souls. And so how can we remember well? Well, we can't go back to baptism. Don't come to me asking me to baptize you again. I'm not going to do it. All right, because the first time was perfectly fine. We, I don't want to be in a position where we say, you know what, what God said to you the first time didn't count. No, this time is real. No, if you were baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we're good to go and I ain't doing it again. Find somebody else. And don't tell me that you did that. We can't go back to baptism. But we can pull baptism forward in such a way that it speaks to our daily lives as we are now. And to do that, we're going to have to be creative. And this is where imagination comes into faith. We can't, and no, you can't come in here every day. If you want to try, go ahead. But we can't come into this space and remember our baptism. That's not going to work. No, we're going to have to forge a connection between our memories and our eternal realities and our daily lives. And we're going to have to create a mindfulness of the presence of God in our lives. We have to give space for God's message to be revealed yet again. So let us connect the eternal to the ordinary, which, by the way, is exactly what a sacrament is. It connects the divine to the ordinary. And then prayerfully and faithfully hold that space and give God time to sort of reorient our hearts so that we aren't oriented towards the definitions the world has for us, but rather we're oriented to the definition that Christ alone gives to us. Little offerings of time and thought and sometimes tangible things can create huge life change. So some practical suggestions. Number one, when you take a bath or a shower, anytime water hits your body, remember your baptism. Baptism is a washing away of the old life just like a shower is. So when you shower, experience that washing away. And if you're a, and there's two different ways of thinking about this. Some of you are morning shower people. You're my kind of person. I like sort of being refreshed in the morning. When you wake up in the morning, remember that in that morning, you are a new creation. Let that shower wash away everything that was so that you can be all that God has called you to be today. If you're an evening shower person, I think you're weird, but good for you. All right, and in the same way, allow the goodness of God to just wash off whatever that day was. And before you go to sleep, reconnect the essential truth that you are God's beloved and with you, God is well pleased. Number two, when it rains. Told you I was coming back to the rain. When it rains. All right, of course, water from the heavens, a wonderful symbol of baptism. But it was Jesus who told us that the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, and unrighteous just like God's love. So when it rains, remember the wide and broad scope of God's love for every person, whether they know it or not. Let it move you to see your neighbor as God's beloved child, worthy of love, respect, dignity, and even provision. If God sees fit to provide them with rain, why can we not see fit to provide our neighbors with all that they need so that they might know love? We're in the summer. 
So I was thinking about swimming, and then I was like, I just got back from the beach. Some of you are at the beach. Hey, say hey to the Atlantic for me. And some of you are you're like, forget the beach. I'm going to the mountain. Streams. Swimming, beach, and streams. You know what the sound that comes to mind when I think about all these things? It is the sound of laughter. At the beach, I listen to my kids laugh and be goobers. When I listen to streams, I hear, you ever hear a stream laugh as it rolls over the waters, as it rolls over the rocks? Laughter. Well, so it is with God. When we swim, when we listen to the brooks, when we're at the beach, we hear laughter and we can be reminded of the rest and the joy that we are to take in God because God loved us before we lifted a finger. So enjoy the laughter and enjoy the joy of our identity. Also, celebrate your birthday. When were you baptized? If you don't know, go find out and make that day a personal holiday. Celebrate it as a critical day in your life. Give an offering, celebrate with a meal, spend some time in a sacred space in prayer. Take some time to give thanks to God and reconnect to the foundational truth that on that day you were made a child of the king. And the last one I'll offer you, and some of you are going to be, oh, I wonder if he was ever going to talk about this. I will today. The sign of the cross. <gasps> Hang with me for a second. In the book of Romans, it says, Do you not know that those who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? The sign of the cross is a reminder to myself that my life, my very body, is now an embodiment of the cross. And so I put that sign on my body. Who I am as a person, when I face you, I am to be the face of Christ in the world. And I'm reminded of that as it's right across my chest. But in the same way, we also remember that we make the sign of the cross last week on Everett's forehead and in all of our foreheads at baptism in the sign of oil. It is also a sign that we are sealed with Christ and in Christ's abundance and love. And in this way, I am reminded that Christ is my deepest identity. Not my looks, not what I wear, not what I feel, none of that. My fundamental identity is in the cross. So I need to remind myself of that so that I can be that to the world. So if some of you are like, why does he do that funky hand thing? It's for me to remind me of who I am. 